Hey, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. My name is Clint Trebish, and I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's my privilege to bring you God's word this morning. Now, as you can see, I'm not able to be with you in person. I tested positive for COVID this week, so I'm in quarantine here in Atlanta. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I'm sad I can't be with you. I'm glad I get to bring the word of God that we get to open up Proverbs together this morning. Uh, but before I get into that, I just wanted to say thank you so much for how Hilton Head Highland Community Church partners with us, uh, the Navigator work that I'm part of here at Atlanta, to see the gospel go out and disciples made and raised up all throughout our city and among the nations. Um, I wish that I could share more with you in person, but know that the, the gifts and the contributions and the, the generosity uh, of, of Hilton Head Island Community Church is doing amazing things to see the kingdom of God advanced here in Atlanta and beyond. And so we're so grateful. And uh, this morning, we're going to be diving into Proverbs 27. We're continuing our series that the church has been on for the last month on life hacks, wisdom from the Proverbs. And so this morning we're going to get to open up what uh, the scriptures say to us about friendships and relationships, specifically what does it look like to be a friend. And so let me pray for us here this morning. We're going to get into the word together. So Father in heaven, thank you so much for how you are able to allow us to use technology to be able to do this. Lord, it is a sadness for me that I can't be in person with these dear people who I'm so grateful for and love. But uh, Lord, thank you that you've made a way for us to be able to do this on video. And so, Father, I pray that you would still speak just as powerfully here this morning. May your word go out and not return empty. May you open our hearts and minds to your truth. And may, God, you just draw us nearer to you this morning. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, about a year ago, uh, during COVID, one of my hobbies that I had picked up again was mountain biking. And last April, uh, I had some extra time one morning and decided, you know, I'm going to go for a little mountain bike ride. There's, there's a number of trails and parks not too far from where I live in Atlanta. And so there was one trail in particular that I had frequented on my bike and uh, decided, you know what, I have, I have a couple hours. Let me go out. And so got in the car, drove down, hit the road, uh, got on the trail and was coming around a turn on this trail and, and my bike just slid out from underneath me and I had a serious crash. Right away, as soon as I hit the trail, I realized I'm in trouble. My knee hit a rock and got opened up pretty big. And I had this moment of terror and freeze and thought, I am in the middle of this trail system, nobody knows that I'm here. I came out here on my own, no friends were with me, and I was well over a mile from my car on this trail. I had thankfully had a little first aid kit, but in that moment I needed serious help. I was injured, I was alone, and I was far from anyone being there to help me out. And right away, I thought I broke so many rules on going out into the woods. You know, you tell people where you're going and always have a plan if something happens. And I wasn't prepared for this at all. And my fall left me stranded and alone for a while. Now, it's interesting because it actually echoes to 
Ecclesiastes 4, which let me read to you here in Ecclesiastes 4. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12 tells us, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is such a picture of what I experienced with my mountain bike accident. Being alone, I fell and I had no one to help me up and I was injured and I actually ended up needing to go to the emergency room and get stitches and it was a mess and a great lesson learned. But I realized in that moment that, you know what, I need to do things like this with a friend. Now, some of you appreciate with me alone time. We all need alone time. And some of us, the introverts, need a little more alone time than the extroverts in the world. And we cherish those moments. How many of you parents just long for alone time? I know, I know some of you moms and, and even some of you dads desire alone time and, and you need to find alone time. And, and over this last year and a half, we crave alone time, but we've also found ourselves in a situation where we are alone a lot more maybe. And relationships have been affected and impacted because of COVID, because of the situation in the world. You know, in Genesis 2, when God created Adam and Eve, he created humans and he said to them, it is not good to be alone. And so he created them together in his image and told them to be fruitful and multiply. But God, from the very beginning, identified something that is so critical for us. It is not good to be alone. And here in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, we actually see this phrase that says, woe to him who is alone. And I don't know how many of you are coming in this morning and feeling alone, loneliness, isolated. And maybe some of you are feeling like I need a little bit more alone time. But the reality is we're gonna open up God's word here together that we live in a time and an age where it's really maybe more than ever, not good to be alone. And we're going to look at why that is here. You know, one of the great ironies for me over this last year is, uh, is that I've, I've enjoyed streaming shows and movies. And one show in particular that I really got into this last year is a show called Alone. And I don't know how many of you have, have seen this uh, or streamed it, um, but the premise of it is... It's a reality show where it takes people individually out into the wilderness, the Canadian Arctic, and their goal is to survive longer than all the rest of them. And it's a competition. They're up against each other, and they win thousands of dollars or a million dollars, and it's, it's crazy. And, and the whole thing is that they're alone. Truly, they're alone. They have a camera system and, and themselves, and they're trying to survive self-sufficiently out there in the wilderness. But one of the things that I've, I've loved about the show is it gives us really a glimpse and a picture of humanity in some really raw ways. When you put people alone and they're left to themselves, it's amazing what comes out. And, and almost every time every character in this shows uh, recognized a significant need. And that need was how much other people played an important role in their life. 
they realize their need for others, for family, for friends. And so while for me, one of the great ironies of COVID was that I was watching the show alone, often alone, because no one else wanted to watch it with me. I sat on the couch and watched it alone. Uh, it gave me a picture for really one of the greatest needs God has designed us to have. And that's actually community. It's fellowship. It's friendship. It's friendship. Now, the state of the world right now is COVID has taken such a toll, right? The state of relationships specifically is dire right now. And, and many of us are feeling that. And one of the things that uh, sociologists are recognizing is that there are, there are tiers of relationships. And one tier in particular is being most affected. Right, so we have kind of an inner tier, an inner sphere or circle, that ring of people that are closest to us. And, and those people are our immediate family members or, or maybe a very few close friends, maybe a neighbor or two. These are the people we see regularly, frequently, often, and we share a lot of life with them. And then there's an outer ring of people who maybe we work with or we, or we see occasionally. Maybe it's the person at the coffee shop or the restaurant that we, we go to once in a while and, and we have some degree of relationship, but it's not really close. We still see those people and interact with those people, maybe their coworkers or, or maybe their other neighbors. But, but the ring, the sphere that's most affected are, is the middle ring. It's the people in our lives that we had some frequent relationship with and had some depth with, but because of the way of the world recently, a lot of that is being stripped away and we're being forced to hone in on those closest to us while still managing some very distant relationships. But that other ring of friends is becoming more and more absent in most of our lives. You know, what's, what's crazy is that before COVID, the U.S. Surgeon General, this was five years ago, back in 2017, he, he issued a report that the Harvard Business Review released, they published it, and he said the greatest epidemic of our culture right now is loneliness, five years ago. And they attributed a smart, smartphone generation and how we're so consumed in our smartphones and, and our digital devices and technology and screen time. You know, it's... it's it's really shocking if you stop and think about the volume of digital content that has exploded in the last handful of years. The number of streaming services where you can consume entertainment and media unlike ever before. And we easily just spend hours and hours and hours on this. A study recently uh, came out that the average American over the last year spends one hour less per day in relationship with people and has replaced that with one hour more per day consuming digital media, whether it's on your phone or watching TV or, or news articles, but digital media has increased by an hour a day where relationships have decreased an hour a day. Now, it may not seem like a lot if you just think about it over the course of a day, but when you look at a week, seven hours less with people, seven hours more by yourself on your phone or whatever and over the course of a month 30 years over the course of a year this last year that comes out to over 300 hours that people have been spending in less contact with one another in relationship it's no wonder things are on the rise like depression from isolation loneliness right we we see that the coping 
mechanisms for this lonely season of life for people is that we medicate. We medicate with entertainment, we medicate with food, we medicate with drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. And some people legitimately, viably need prescription medication for this. We are dealing with something that's very serious. Relationships are so important. It is not good for us to be alone. And so we are going to take a look at what does God's word really say, more specifically, in Proverbs about needing to be together. And so we're going to look at Proverbs 27, verses 1 through 19 here this morning. And I'm going to read it. It's going to be on the screen here as well. In Proverbs 27, 1 through 19, we're going to take a look at five life hacks five ways that relationships and friendships need to be more meaningful. Five life hacks for more meaningful friendships. So here it is, Proverbs 27, 1 through 19. Follow along with me. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand for jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and they suffer for it. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. This is God's word. And there are a lot of things that we're actually not going to get into today. There are some things that might be some eyebrow raisers in here that we're not going to get into. But this is really a proverb about relationship and friendship. And it speaks specifically of friendship on numerous occasions. And so five life hacks for more meaningful friendships. Back in Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6. We're just going to jump, jump ahead a little bit to verses 5 and 6. It says... Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And we see that many of us may have friends who, 
who we enjoy being around because they, they affirm us, they encourage us. And that is so critical in our friendships. We want friends who will speak, speak good things to us, encouragements to us. There is an aspect of friendship, though, that is often lacking. And it is a friend who, as this says, will actually bring rebuke. A friend who will maybe even wound you in love because you need to know something or hear something that someone else won't. Open rebuke, faithful wounds are actually marks of a friend, a good friend. And it leaves us with a choice. We have a choice in our friendships on whether we actually want to be honest and truthful or if we want to be false and flatter those around us. I don't know about you, but it kind of feels good sometimes to be flattered, but really it's just kind of empty and it's not really meaningful. And none of us really love flattery when it comes down to it. So do we want to be friends who speak honesty or flattery? I would choose honesty every day. In fact, I think of a good friend of mine who's older than me. His name's Bruce. Now, Bruce and I have known each other for years and years, and uh, he also works for the Navigators with me, and, and he's been a role model in my life, a mentor in my life. Now, several years ago, I was leading an initiative with, with Bruce and some others um, at a program where we were trying to engage in, in developing leaders. And I was in a place where I was pretty overwhelmed and trying to manage a lot of tasks and responsibilities and and honestly not preparing well for the role that I had. And I was winging it a lot. I just was kind of just flying out of uh, being, being engaged as much as I could, but wasn't really prepared, wasn't really engaged well. And, and it was being noticeable. People were recognizing it. Now, many people would come up to me and say, hey, great job. This is great, great job. But I realized, you know, I, th- I think that people are honestly just kind of flattering me, but not Bruce. Bruce came up to me one day and he said, Clint, we need to have a little talk. I've noticed that you're not really preparing well for things. I've noticed that you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants in this. What's going on? You're not preparing well. You're not engaging well. And Bruce spoke truth into my life. And he actually spoke scripture into my life. And one of the scriptures he told me was in John 8, 31 through 32, where Jesus actually says to the Jews, it says, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what I needed in that moment was someone who would bring truth into my life. Someone who would bring honesty into my life. Someone who would tell me what it was like it was. And Bruce was that friend. And he's continued to be that friend years later where I can call him up and say, Bruce, hey, this is going on. Help me out with this. And I know Bruce will speak truth to me because Bruce embraces a truth that we all need to embrace. And that is Jesus telling us that the truth will set us free. Falsehood will not set us free. And so this is the first life hack we're taking a look at this morning. And my encouragement to you is this. Will you be a friend who points to the truth? Will you be a friend who points to the truth? Who comes alongside your other friends and says, hey, you may not want to hear this, but I think you need to. 
And I'm telling you this because I love you. We need those kind of friends in our lives and we need to be those kind of friends in our lives. So life hack number one, be a friend who points to the truth. And going on a little bit in Proverbs 27 here, we see in uh, verse nine, we're gonna skip ahead to verse nine, where it says, oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from earnest counsel. Earnest counsel. This is, this is something that uh, I have struggled to seek out often in my life. I'm, I like to be very self-sufficient. I like to have things figured out. I like to be in control. And I don't always like to ask for directions. In fact, the other day at the store, before I got COVID, my daughter came with me and we were walking around looking for something very specific. And I was, I was convinced it was in one area, it wasn't there. And then I was convinced it was in another, another area and it wasn't there. And my daughter said, Dad, why don't you just ask for directions? Why don't you just ask someone for counsel on where this is? And I said, Haley, have you been, have you been looking at my message? This is exactly what I'm preaching on this weekend. And she laughed and I said, wow, this is so relevant in my own life. I need to ask for help sometimes. I need to ask for counsel. I need to ask for directions. What this proverb is saying is sweetness and joy and delight come from a friend who brings earnest, heartfelt, living counsel. Someone who will instruct us and help us with good advice and good news. It literally means someone who will make the heart glad to bring earnest counsel, to make the heart glad. Here's something, though, that I hadn't really considered a whole lot. What often people need more than good advice is good news. And Jesus did this. He brought good advice, but he pointed people to the good news, which was pointing them to the truth. People need good news more than they need good advice. And we need to be people who seek it out. In fact, in Proverbs 15, 22, it says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. And maybe you're in the business world, you have a workplace setting, or maybe you've taken on a project or initiative, maybe it's in school, and, and you can say, yeah, this actually is so applicable and relevant. Maybe you're in investing or trading and you need counsel on it. We need good counsel. We also need good news. And so the second life hack is will you be a friend who seeks good counsel, godly counsel, life-giving counsel that would make your heart glad be a friend who seeks good counsel. We're going to go on in Proverbs 27, verse 10. He says, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity when things aren't going well, but better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. One of the greatest joys in my life, honestly, is, is that I have a group of men who I go to on a regular basis. Uh, years and years ago, there were six of us 
who all were working together. We were starting our careers at the same time and we're starting our families at the same time. We were in the same season of life. And, and we just started to recognize that we needed to have more input in one another's lives. And so we got together years ago and we said, hey, what if we form a peer group, a development group, where we, we have three focuses? And those three focuses are that we would challenge each other and encourage each other to pursue God more wholeheartedly, that we would encourage and challenge each other to lead our families better, and we would encourage and challenge each other to lead in our, in our workplace setting, our disciple-making setting better, pursuing God, leading our families, leading in our work better. And these have been good friends in my life for years. And in fact, these are men who have been there through thick and thin. We've been able to be in each other's lives through hardships. Two nights ago, six of us got on a call. We're spread out across the country now, literally from coast to coast. We span every time zone in the country uh, here in the U.S. And, and we got on a call because one of the guys said, hey, there's something going on I need, a, I need some counsel for. And, and I, I know you guys would be present with me. Will you just be present with me? Will you be near with me in this? And so we got on this call and we processed some really hard things that were going on in his life and some relational strife that he had and some, some personal conflicts that he had. And we, we realized these are the things that we don't get anywhere else. There's no one else in our lives who can bring this. And I, I am so thankful and I praise God for these brothers, these five other men, they get to walk with me and be present with me and be near to me. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And these guys, Adam, Brian, Dave, Kyle, and Morgan, are men in my life like that, who stick closer than a brother. I have many colleagues, companions, people I know. There's a lot of people I know that are in those outer rings. But these are brothers. These are men who are near, who are present. And this is the third life hack. Will you be a friend who is present? Will you be a friend who is available, who is engaged, who is involved? Be a friend who is present. And this can be hard because we have so many things going on in our lives. I feel this. I feel the pressure of busyness and productivity and the need to be proactive and, and productive and, and perform in, in certain things. Our family has commitments and obligations. Our kids have commitments and obligations. There are so many things that consume us and preoccupy us. And it's really hard to be present and available and engaged and involved. Proverbs tells us this, better is a friend who is near. Do not forsake your friends. Don't push them away. Don't abandon them. Don't neglect them. We have a choice. We can either be an absent friend or an available and engaged friend. Moving on in Proverbs 27, 17. This is a verse that is been with me since I was a young believer. And many of you may be familiar with this. It says, iron sharpens iron. And so a friend sharpens a friend. The New Living Translation words it a little different. I love that it says a friend sharpens a friend as iron sharpens iron. You know, those guys that I just was telling you about, these five other men in my life, we actually 
chose a term for our brotherhood, our group. We said, we're going to be brothers who sharpen each other. We're going to be brothers who refine each other. We're going to be brothers who build each other up and make each other more sharp in our, in our lives. And when I think about this visual of iron sharpening iron, I don't know if you've ever sharpened a knife or if you try to sharpen something that's metal or steel, what actually happens is that little shavings come off of the blade. When you're trying to sharpen a knife, when you're trying to sharpen something, it's not just making it press down, you're actually taking off little slivers, little shavings to make it sharper. And in our own lives, we need people who will do that, who will actually come alongside and help refine us and sharpen us to be more efficient and effective and fruitful and engaged. These brothers and I meet together twice a year and we sharpen each other in those three areas I talked about. Our walks with God, how we lead our families, how we lead in our work, our disciple-making ministries. We sharpen each other when we get together. We love hanging out. We do a lot of fun things, whether it's playing golf or hiking or, or going out on a boat, whatever it is. But we also make sure we're very intentional about sharpening each other in our lives. And one verse that we've, we've clung to as a group of friends is in Colossians chapter 1. It's two verses, actually. And it's a prayer. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. When we have brothers or friends, sisters who sharpen us, here's a few ways that looks. We pray ceaselessly. We don't stop praying for each other. We encourage each other to pursue wisdom, finding counsel together. We encourage each other and sharpen each other to walk in a manner worthy of God, that the way our lives live out is reflected of what's going on inside, and, and we would walk in a way that glorifies God. We sharpen each other to be fruitful in what we're doing, to, to have an impact that's positive and productive in the lives of the people around us. And more than anything, we sharpen each other to increasingly know God. At the end of Colossians 1.10, it says, increasing in the knowledge of God, which literally is to know him, to understand him, and to have deeper relationship with him. And this is the fourth life hack. Be a friend who sharpens your other friends. Will you? Will you be a friend who sharpens your other friends, who refines them, and who gives them permission to do the same in your life? If you don't give them permission to do that in your life, it'll be much harder to be able to do that in the lives of other people. We need to sharpen one another. And the fifth life hack is this. In Proverbs 27, 19, it says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Our heart truly reflects who we are. 
Jesus hit on this many times. He said, it's, it's not what comes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of it. It's what comes out of the heart that determines who we really are. That what we do on the outside is reflective of what happens on the inside. That's integrity. So we have a decision. Will we be a friend who engages with authenticity or superficiality? And the best person in my life that I think demonstrates this with me is my best friend, my wife, Leanne. Her and I have been married for about 15 years, and she is my best friend. And in fact, she knows more about me than anyone else. She's the one who hears more about what's going on in my life than anyone else. I'm an external processor, a verbal processor, and she gets the maybe not so much joy of being on the receiving end of that, where I come home after meeting with people and I just need to process verbally. And often it happens late at night and she is not a night owl. She's an early morning person and she just is so patient and she's so loyal and she's so loving in this. There are many times where she will sit and listen because she is genuinely interested in what's going on in my life. And I know her love is genuine. She reflects the heart of a genuine friend. She serves selflessly and sacrificially. She gives herself to other people all the time. And she does it genuinely. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times. In the message, it actually says, a friend loves through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. And I don't know if you have a friend like this, if your spouse is like this, but we need to be people like this who, number five, are friends who love genuinely. Will you be a friend who loves genuinely? who perseveres through all weather and all trouble. When we look at these five things, we may seem overwhelmed at times. And some of us may say, you know what, I, th I think that there's a couple areas that I need to work on now. Whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with another family member or another friend at large. And in John chapter 15, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. In John 15, verses 12 through 17, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. All that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Here Jesus gives us this model, this example, this picture. A friend, he says, who has greater love than no one else, who would lay down their life for one another. Jesus laid down his life for us. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And what he commands is 
freeing us. He brings us to the truth, which is freedom. He says, I've called you friends. I've chosen you. I've appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would abide and remain and last. And he says, I've told you all this. I command you all this. So that you will love one another and you will know love and you will experience love. Love one another as I have loved you. What a friend we have in Jesus. I think of that old hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus always frees us with the truth. Jesus always gives us good counsel. Jesus always is present. Jesus always sharpens us to be more like him. And Jesus loves us genuinely. In fact, we have a, a Bible called the Jesus Storybook Bible that we read with our kids. It's a beautiful, uh, gospel-centered Bible that every story points to Jesus. And, and the author of it describes God's love like this. That Jesus loves us, and God loves us with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always and forever love. This is the love of our friend Jesus toward us. Will you look to Jesus to be a friend who points to the truth, who gives and seeks godly counsel, who is present and engaged, who sharpens the people around you, and who loves genuinely? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that we would be these people and that we would experience the joy of this kind of community, that we would have people in our lives who, who are like this to us. Father, help us by your grace and by the Spirit in us to be these kind of friends that reflect you and lean into you and, and dwell and abide in you so that we would experience the fullness of joy that you have for us. Lord, help us to be these friends. In Jesus' name, amen.